Reading from the ninth chapter of Genesis, beginning with the eighth verse. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you. And with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as come out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For all future generations, I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow, when the bow is in the clouds... I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. The sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. And from 1 Peter, chapter 3, beginning with verse 18. I'm going to begin with verse 17. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which also He went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to Him. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So your title this morning is A Different Way of Thinking, and it's only because I didn't really think all of us would know what I meant if I said, that's twisted. Right? But if if you spend any time around teenagers, you've heard one of them say, you got that twisted. Have y'all heard that? No? I'm going to have to start pre-screening my sermon illustrations with you people. Well, at any rate, I have heard it. You got that twisted. It's all twisted. And what they mean is that somehow you've arrived at the wrong conclusion. Or you've been told something that wasn't true by some frenemy of theirs or something to that effect. 
somehow you've gotten the impression that something was a certain way when maybe it wasn't. And this text in Peter does that to the Noah story. Because what I remember from the Noah story is that God was angry and killed everybody in the world but Noah and his family. I mean, that's what I was taught. And I remember thinking as a kid, that's a horrible children's story. Right? Putting little sticky... Remember them flannel sheet things you just stick on the wall, right? Oh, here's Noah. Here's everybody else. They died, right? And then I saw this movie one time when I was a kid, this old depiction of the Noah story, and all these people were outside the ark yelling and banging on the ark, and Noah's like, well, y'all should have listened. But that's not in the story, is it? The story is right with some things that don't jump out at first to us unless we pay attention to the whole thing And then maybe we can catch on to what 1 Peter is trying to say to us. I want to tell you a story. I stole it from somewhere. And so it starts out in that way. There's an old story that maybe you've heard before, but you know, every preacher that says that knows you haven't heard it or we wouldn't be telling it. We're just afraid you had and maybe you won't get it. But at any rate, there's a story. And... It seems that a guy was walking down the street when suddenly he falls into a steep hole, a deep hole. He just didn't see it as he walked along and suddenly he's in the bottom of the hole and he looks up and he can't get out. The walls are so steep he can't climb and a doctor happens by and the guy shouts, Hey doc, can you help me out of here? And the doctor writes a prescription and throws it down the hole. You laugh. That's how we live now, isn't it? Doctor can solve everything. Just write a prescription. A priest comes by and the guy shouts out, Father, I'm stuck in this hole. Can you help me out? The priest writes a prayer and throws it in the hole. Well, Facebook was full of people throwing prayers in holes this week, wasn't it? But is the guy still in the hole, ain't he? The guy's best friend happens by. Hey, Joe, it's me. Can you help me out of here? Joe jumps down in the hole and the guy says, well, what'd you do that for, stupid? (laughs) Now we're both stuck down here in the hole. And her friend says, yeah, but I've been down here before and I know how to get out. That's the point of Peter's story. Humanity's been down here before. It's not our first trip to the gutter. It's not our first trip to a place where our hearts were so filled with violence that God regretted creating us. You know, that's in the Bible. It doesn't do much for human esteem, but it's in there. It's in Genesis. Chapter 6, it says, The Lord God saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, And that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that He had made humankind on the earth and it grieved Him to His heart. It just makes me sad to hear it. Especially when I hear people say, Oh, follow your heart. You ever heard anybody give that advice to somebody who's thinking about doing something that they know is wrong? And some of well, you know, the heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah, the heart wants death, apparently. 
I think we're learning that pretty clearly as human beings. Again, we're learning that. That the heart longs for things that will harm us and harm others. But yet, we'll stand back and say, oh, but it's a victimless crime, right? Think about the marijuana epidemic. It's a victimless crime. Not till you've sat in a DSS conference room and heard about children whose parents choose marijuana over food. Or who choose marijuana over getting their kids ready for school. Or making sure they have clothes. Or who's stolen out of their minds and can't take care of their kids. Norma's heard those stories. Victimless crime. The heart wants what the heart wants. Humanity's in a hole again, it would seem. And we're just chunking prescriptions down it and thoughts and prayers. Praying for victims, beautiful thing. We should do that. Praying for perpetrators, beautiful thing. We should do that. Praying for people who hurt, we should do that. But eventually the church has got to get in the hole. The church has to stop sitting back, looking in the hole and tell people, you know, y'all are going to hell for being in that hole. And so Peter comes along and says, maybe y'all got that twisted, that Genesis thing. Maybe you've been focusing on the wrong part. Maybe you heard that part about how God's heart was grieved and God decided to destroy all of humanity. And maybe you missed that what really happened is that God saved eight people through water and started again. And maybe you need to hear the rest of that story. That through the waters of baptism, God is again saving a people to start again. A new creation. A kingdom of Christ. People who are joined to Christ through baptism. People who are joined to life. People who know how to get out of the stinking hole. People who know what it looks like to climb out of sin and death. And emerge into the light of new life. The new ark is being built. And I have news for you. You're it. The church of Christ is the new ark. It's being hammered on every day. But we've been building it so long, maybe we've gotten lazy and think it doesn't matter anymore. But it does. Inviting people to come and and walk inside and be safe and free from the power of death and sin is our job. It is our number one priority. Coming here and being made to feel good about who we are is second, third, fourth, fifth, twentieth down the list behind that. Our job is getting people out of the hole. And too often we're satisfied with throwing prescriptions and prayers down the hole. When what they really need is for us to climb in with them. I heard somebody say one time, how can somebody believe you care about their eternal spirit if you don't care about their physical body? If you don't care that they're hungry, or that they have no clothes, or they have no friends, or they have no parents, or they're born with alcohol fetal syndrome, and nobody loves them, or their parents chose drugs over them. I wonder if things could be different if the church would have the courage to get in the hole. 
and be the ark that Christ is making us to be. To invite people in to live under the sign of the covenant, to live a baptized, new, eternal, holy, happy life in knowing that we're not the most important thing in the world. So Peter opens for us with these words. It's better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil because Christ also suffered. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God, to bear us up out of the hole. Since He's been in it before Himself. To be our fairies over the waters of death and desolation and dis-ease. To be the one who carries us out of it. I've always loved in the story of, story of Noah's Ark that it's God who shuts the door. And also often it was conveyed to me, I think, that that was like God shutting everybody else out. But Peter wants us to know we got that twisted and we need another way of thinking. That was God saving eight people when really God could have destroyed everyone. And the heart of God is visible in that. To give grace and to give life. The same heart that's visible in Christ coming and suffering with us in the whole to show us how to get out, to be the ladder, to be the way out. It's through Christ that our Creator and the Holy Spirit brings order in chaos. It's through Christ that God brings life out of death. And Jesus is the only hope that any human being, whether past, present, or future, will ever have of having anything remotely that looks even approximately like life beyond this earthly existence. But even more, He's the only hope we have to have that now. He's the only hope we have to have life now. Because it didn't have to be that humanity grieved the heart of God by our wickedness. We chose that. We chose that. And every time the church turns a blind eye to the hurting, to the needy, to the lonely, to the fatherless and the motherless, we choose death. We choose it as an acceptable way for our world to be. And most often we do that because we don't want to suffer. So maybe it's time that we think about getting into the hole with our Lord getting into the hole with Jesus and being the ark that He has created us to be, being the people He has created us to be, a people that He uses to bring people to new life. He alone is our hope for anything other than the obliteration of death that we are building right now. 
At the rate we're going, we don't have to worry about some asteroid finally getting close enough to destroy us. We're going to do it ourselves. It's Jesus that can move us toward that new creation and that river of life that we just sang about. It's Jesus that can move us toward the tree of life again to take and eat of life, to take of Him and be filled with hope and holiness and joy and happiness. And so Peter attacks our association with death, our thinking that God just wanted to destroy all those wicked people and isn't it good that God got everybody in the end? And he says, wait a minute, what you're forgetting is that through water God saved eight people and through water today God is continuing to save people and deliver people from death. It's the water of baptism. The building of a church. The building of a new creation. The building of a new people. Be thankful for your baptism, church. It unites you to Christ. And it calls you into the hole with the rest of humanity to show them the way out. I don't speak these words lightly, but I speak them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.